My, my, these times are strange, aren't they? Do you find your comfort zone being challenged? We used to have this bunny. It would sit so happily in its little hutch. And there were a few times that it actually jumped out and landed on the lawn and it just froze. It didn't know what to do. It was too content in its own little rhythm, its own little box. Sometimes we find ourselves in situations like that. And it's a good thing to get our feet knocked out from under us, our air knocked out of our sails, our idols knocked out of our heads and our hearts. Life has changed on a worldwide scale. It's time to dig a little deeper into Song of Solomon again today. What will you do when God exposes to you all of the things within your heart? Only you can make that choice. Stay tuned. Listen in. Moments with Moni can be heard on Anchor, Stitcher, Overcast, Apple, and now Podchaser. You can also find my blog and Facebook page and link tree filled with many links in my show notes. And now on to today's episode. Welcome back to Moments with Moni. We left off in Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verses 8 through 11. And during that time, we saw that the Shulamite, the young maiden, was receiving some insight into how the young shepherd king views her. And with the maiden as a picture of the bride of Christ, our life, we can see, is no longer our own. And our bridegroom, like the young shepherd king to her, the bridegroom Jesus to us, to the church, to the bride of Christ, he has bought us with a price, his very own blood. And he has every right to refine and pound away. And yet he was so merciful. So this week we pick up and see it is this refining of our lives that sends forth an odor. Will it be the fragrance of worship or the stench of self? Do we have a choice? Of course we do. When we remain close to, abide in the beloved during the heat of refinement, he is refreshment to our souls like the vineyards of Engedi, a beautiful oasis surrounded by deserts and the Dead Sea. Let's pick up in verse 12 of chapter 1. While the king sitteth at his table, my spikenard sendeth forth the smell thereof. A bundle of myrrh is my well-beloved unto me. He shall lie all night betwixt my breasts. My beloved is to me as a cluster of campfire in the vineyards of Engedi. Behold, thou art fair, my love. Behold, thou art fair. Thou hast dove's eyes. Behold, thou art fair, my beloved, yea, pleasant. Also, our bed is green. The beams of our house are cedar and our rafters of fir. Again, the beautiful imagery creates a beautiful picture in our mind. But what in the world does all this mean? The king is in her presence. She is in his presence at his table. Picture a Middle Eastern table. They don't sit at a table in chairs when they dine like we do. It's more of a divan, divan, how do you say that? A divan, uh, like a couch for reclining. And they recline as they sit at a low table to share a meal. And during this time, because 
he brings out the best in her. She says the perfume within her sends out a smell thereof. Now, remember those verses somewhere in the Bible? Doesn't it spark something in your memory to remind you of the smell of Jesus is death to some and that odor is also life to others? To her, it's drawing out life and the perfume within her. That is, while she's in his presence, he brings the best out in her. She's beginning to understand that her identity and beauty is in him. She also notices that the shepherd king's fragrance is a beautiful fragrance as well. She calls it a bundle of myrrh is my well-beloved unto her, and it lies betwixt my breasts. Over her heart, right in the place where her emotions are. Ah, oh, her heart is overwhelmed with him. She also says that her beloved is unto her as a cluster of campfire in the vineyards of Engedi. This bouquet of redeeming love, the vineyard of the fountain of the lamb. These are crushed grapes, a picture of Jesus's blood, like the grapes that were at the Shulamite Falls near Engedi. Campfire here is translated henna in Hebrew. Henna is a reddish-brown color for dyeing. The same root word is used here for pitch in Genesis, when Noah covered the ark in pitch inside and out. Do you see an analogy of Christ's atoning blood here? The beautiful poetic language is the heart of God inside this book. It's not wisdom literature. It's not a letter, an epistle. But the beauty and heart of the poetic language is very beautiful in your mind. And it brings up images of other parts of scripture and reveals God's heart to us. In verse 15, the shepherd king once again tells her how beautiful she is. How beautiful you are, my love, to behold. You are fair. You have dove's eyes. Her humility makes her beautiful to him. He also mentions dove's eyes. Something special about doves is that they mate for life. It's a picture of spiritual innocence. Their weeping eyes are mournful, just as our weeping eyes are mournful when we mourn over our sin. And in that humility, in that time of repentance, we are beautiful to our Savior to our bridegroom, Jesus. Once again, now that he has declared his love for her and his thoughts of her, she responds to him. Just as we as believers respond to our God when he shows us how much he loves us. She responds by saying, Behold, you are fair. How handsome and charming you are, my beloved. Oh, and pleasant also is our bed. It's green. They're out in nature together, sitting in the grass, the smell of the cedars and the firs in the air. There's a canopy of green branches under the blue sky. I remember an English pastor talking about it. I can't remember his name, but he was talking about every young bride and groom think that all they need is love and nature and simple things. And then in years to come, she wants and he wants so much more in the home and in the garage and in a car or a motorcycle. 
Oh, that we could remain content with the things that we have been given by our God. Is Jesus enough for us? Can we embrace the cross and his sacrifice on that cross? Can we hold it close, meditate on the word of God and all that he has done for us? This cross is a bitter thing like myrrh, which for Jesus meant death and resurrection. For us, the cross means death to self, as well as the promise of eternal life with our beloved. It is this very thing that causes me to love him. And we love because he first loved us. Of course, we always have a choice. You may not choose to walk around with innocent, harmless dove's eyes that are focused on Jesus. Psalm 101.5 speaks of a different kind of eye, a high and proud haughty eye. Or Second Peter 2.14 speaks of adulterous eyes, unrefrained sin that beguiles unstable souls and entices them away. In Ezekiel 14.6, God was speaking to Israel. Remember, this book was written to the Jews, as well as Song of Solomon. Therefore say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, Repent, and turn yourselves from your idols, and turn away your faces from all your abominations. An outward show is of no value to God, for he looks upon the heart. It is here that he looks for true repentance for a turning away from all our idols that we may have erected in our hearts. Our hearts, our eyes, our minds must be wholly focused on Jesus. He is a jealous God and wants no other false God on the throne of our hearts. Yes, it feels good to be in his presence, but when our comfort zone gets challenged, what are we going to do? Where are we going to turn? You have a choice. Choose wisely. Choose life in Jesus. Resolve that issue in your journal now. Don't just pencil it in. Write it on the tablet of your heart. Perhaps you need more proof. Let's let scripture interpret scripture. Many commentators agree that the phrases in the following psalm are too peculiar to suit any mere earthly marriage. Psalm 45 is known as a song of loves or the wedding song. Take some time this week and read through Psalm 45 and compare it to Song of Solomon, chapter 1, as we've done this past month. See what God says to your heart. What you gonna do? What you gonna do?
Yeah. 